Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? I am so excited. We continue our presence series today. I've got a full one and a half hour message planned for you. Is uh, just expectant. I can feel it. Uh, I uh, I do apologise for the air conditioning. I'm not quite sure what's going on, but um, it's all good. I will. Uh, I would aim to be a little bit shorter today. It's wonderful to see all the fans going. Well done, well done for uh, for uh, being uh, here today. We do normally have air conditioners working, and uh, but today for some reason they've shorted out or not working. So. Uh, uh, we will get through today. Uh, we are uh, continuing, as you would have seen on the video, a presence, our series on presence. You know, God's heart is to be to enjoy His presence. And uh, there are so many things that get in the way. We're going to explore some of those today that stop us from enjoying His presence. But we know that when we do find ourselves in His presence, the place where we were created to be, then there is great joy. You know, we started uh, for uh, over the next 21 days or from last Sunday of prayer and fasting. I don't know how you're getting on with that uh, or whether what you're doing or whether you've decided to be part of it. But there is something really good about seeking after God in prayer and fasting. And we're believing over this season that God will speak. God wants to speak to you. Being here in church, even when it's 100 degrees, is a good thing. When we gather together, we encounter His presence. And today we're going to jump in and explore what it means to be in the presence of God in community. Here's the big idea. The idea is this, to participate in God's community is to know, be, and proclaim His presence. When we participate, to put it another way, when we participate in the kingdom of God, in God's community, we know Him We become Him and we gather. This is really important. We're going to explore why we gather as a community. And I'm going to look at just some movements uh, as we explore presence today. Firstly, we're going to explore the fact that there is a wall that is between us and God. There is something that gets between us and God. But God comes to hostility. He rebuilds us. He invites us into His presence that we are built on Him into a new building. His temple. And, and then as we're built up, as we are made into his temple, we then proclaim his good news to a city that desperately needs to participate in God's kingdom is to know, be, and proclaim his presence. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 is where we're going to be reading from today. So Ephesians chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles with you, if you can one hand fan, the other one kind of, you can do that. Uh, if not, The words will be on the screen to make it easier. Ephesians chapter 2, a church that he was part of starting, a community that is figuring out what it means to walk by faith, what it means to walk as a Christian community in the context of a community that doesn't know Jesus. And Paul writes this in verse 11 of chapter 2. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles, the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in 
You who were once far, who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm going to hit pause there. We're going to keep journeying through this passage. Paul writes that you were once excluded from God. You were once strangers from God. You were once alien being a stranger. I don't like being in a space where I feel excluded or where I don't know anyone. Maybe you've come here to church for the first time and you don't know anyone. I want to say well done. Whether you are used to church or not, coming into, it, into a, a community like this for the first time can be really scary and really confronting. I don't like being... Have you ever had that moment where you go to a party and you don't know anybody or you know very few people and you've got a drink in your hand and you're walking around trying to find a conversation to be part of? Has any, is that, does anyone know that or is it just me? It happens to me all the time. And I'm kind of I'm walking around and then you just you try nurdle into their discussion. And then you, you kind of wedge your way into a conversation of two or three people, and then you realize you've got, you have no idea what they're talking about, or they're having a really personal conversation about something that only they know. And so there you're kind of like the third wheel, just kind of playing tennis. You've got absolutely nothing to do. kind of then try and find an excuse to get out of that conversation. You kind of like back out, oh, I've got a toilet, I've got to go to the toilet. Um, Oh, or, or you kind of you wave to someone who's not there. Oh, just I'll be back. <laughs> anyway, does anybody know that feeling, or is it just me? You know, it's weird. We don't like being on the outside, but we feel on the outside when we're surrounded by people. We feel it more acutely when we're surrounded by people and we're not on the in when we're on the outside when we are the stranger. I remember my first week of grade eight. I left a primary school and went to a, 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 a arriving grade eight for high school, which it was back, you know, eons ago. And, uh, and uh, I rock up and everybody in my class knew everybody else because they'd done grade seven together and I hadn't. And so here I am the first week of school. I am a Nigel, no friends. I don't know, confused. I find it so difficult and I couldn't make any friends. I, I just could not break in. I hated it. There's, there was one moment, it is seared into my memory. It was one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. It would have been after about a week being at school, and I'm sitting on a bench by myself at lunchtime with no team, clearly was forced to go and find loners like me and go and talk to them because this guy who was clearly really cool and well-known but had to come and speak to me came up and sat next to me and turned to me and said, you don't have any friends, do you? <laughs> Bursting into tears. It is one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. I, I, I was like, no, I don't have any friends. I don't know, has that ever happened to anybody? No, it's probably just me. Um, I was at school with Christian over here, so I don't know if that's your experience too, Christian, but it was clearly mine uh, at... At, uh, at Christian Outreach College, as it was back in the day. You know, we don't like being on the outside, but we live in a world of isolation. I don't need to give you the stats, but we live in a nation I've spoken about before, but we are in an epidemic of isolation, of social interaction anxiety, one in four. 50% of people say that at least one day in the week they feel lonely. We are in an epidemic of loneliness, and we look at our city, we are surrounded by isolation and loneliness. We, we, are, we are surrounded by immigrants, refugees, and international students who don't know anyone and who are lost and spend their whole time often in 
We live in a, in, a, in a world of isolation and loneliness. We may be surrounded by lots of people in a city full of people, but yet we feel isolated and lonely. And we know all this. We know that isolation is a problem. We all know that we need community. But I think that we've lost the art of actually knowing what it means to be present, to find our way out of isolation. You know, we have a problem with presence. And it goes right back to creation. We have a problem of being present in the present presence of God. And we can go right back to creation. Paul writes, he says, that you have been separated from God, that there is a separation from God. And there is a wall that sits between us and God. And we, we go right back to creation. We're created for community. We desire community, but sinfulness and pride have got in the way. And we have isolated ourselves from God and we've isolated ourselves from one another. There's a hostility, there's a wall that's been created between us and God. It's, it's because of selfishness, it's because of, because of pride. We have isolated ourselves. The, the theological word for that is sin. We've isolated ourselves, there's a wall between us and God. And it leads to the beautiful little suburb of Tingalpa. And, um, and as I was growing up in primary school, it was a beautiful neighborhood and we had neighbors over the back. And they just had one of those simple pool fences that you could jump up, well, it was a bit lower than a pool fence, but, uh, but a, a see-through fence where we could see our neighbors. And I was David, and we'd, we'd come home and we'd kick the ball over the fence. He'd come over, we'd play basketball every afternoon. We used to love hanging out. It was awesome. And then one day, David's dad decided to build a bigger fence. And he put up an eight-foot fence with no gaps. At that moment, didn't see him anymore. He didn't come over anymore. It was too high to jump over. We couldn't connect with him. I couldn't connect with him anymore. I didn't really see him. In fact, things became hostile, not between me and David, but between us and his dad, because the football used to go over the fence. And we'd have to take our life into our There a few moments where I was caught standing in his garden on his side of the fence holding a football. And he'd go, oi, what are you doing? And I would run and jump back over the fence. And I'm freaking out. You know, I didn't like him very much. I didn't like David's dad very much. There was a bit of hostility there. Because I know we're all very young in this room. Can we not be that neighbor that yells at kids when their ball goes over the fence? Can we, can we just commit ourselves to that today before the Lord and say that we are not going to be those people? I had way too many neighbors like that. You know, there is a wall between us and the second problem is that we actually don't know how to get back. We actually don't know how to get over that wall. We cannot fix the relationship that has been broken. We actually don't know what it means to connect. That, that's in regards to our relationship with God and I think between one another as well. And we are seeing the ongoing disintegration of relationship culture that is so individualistically driven. We have turned in on ourselves. We've turned in on our own selfishness and we actually have lost the art of community. Now, there was an ad uh, that, was, uh, uh, that, was, that used to be on TV when I was uh, in the 90s. So I'm giving you a little bit of my age. And I used to love watching Test Match. National Mutual is a financial services kind of... I don't even know if they're still going. Anyone know? They're they, they done. They're, anyway... They had this strap line. You may remember it. At the end of their ads, they painted this beautiful picture of a retired couple walking down the beach or whatever it was. And then the final line was, for the most important person in the world, you. 
simple state. We see the world through our lens because I'm the most important person. Everything's about me. So yeah, I'll love other people as long as it serves me, as long as I still find myself as the most important person. We actually have lost the art as a, as a society to reconnect person in the world. We've lost the art. I actually think that technology has played its role in this as well. Technology more and more so is very personal. You just see people with their heads down the whole time, turned in on themselves, looking at their own, uh, their, their own devices. False connection through technology. There was an article that I saw um, on Fairfax Media a couple of weeks ago, and uh, apologies for, for the title here, but it, it, this is what it looked at. It said, if millennials really are having less sex, why would that be? See, the research is showing that millennials are not connecting. They're not having reason. There's a reason. Well, within the, we, I, have sex in marriage. Go for it in marriage. But what was, what was interesting when they found, what they found was, is that there are two primary reasons why millennials are not connecting. The first reason is because real connection is hard. Effort. It takes journey. It actually takes the whole uh, the process of, of taking somebody out to dinner and actually getting to know their story and their life. That's too hard these days, particularly when you can ju just jump on Tinder. And the other point was actually the technology. Ubiquitous. It's everywhere now, and it's so easy. If it's too hard to do the relationship, then why not just jump on technology? We are losing the art of connection as a society. There is a wall between us. Let me tell you this, and I want us to grab this. I heard it this week. It, it was this simple state. Isolation, we need to hold on to this. Isolation is the great tool of the enemy. When we're isolated, we're in a dangerous space. We are creating walls around our life, around our heart. But despite these walls, God makes his presence amongst us so that we can know his presence. Paul goes on in Ephesians. He says in verse 13, I read it before, but... There's a change. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and dividing wall of hostility. He has come. It's his blood presence amongst us. Verse 17, as we keep reading, he says, he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. He came down, he preached, and he died for us. See, we've been brought near, we read, because of the blood of Christ. There's this amazing moment as he breathes his last, and we read in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that something happens in the temple the, the, the thick curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place is torn, but it's not from human hands. It says, specifically, it was torn from top to bottom. God from entering into the presence of God. There is something about the death of Jesus, God coming down, making his presence amongst us, his death on a cross for us, that makes a way so that we can enter into his presence and he invites us into his presence. Paul goes on to say, I'm going to skip through this. Three things happen when Jesus dies that invites us into his presence. Firstly, he puts aside the law. The ceremonial law and the commands, the moral law. 
The moral law, we are made righteous. He fulfills the law. The ceremonial law, like circumcision and all the other things that separate. And he says, that's, we read this. He says that circumcision that some people keep preaching, disregard it. We don't need that. He puts aside the law. He fulfills the law for us so that we can be in his presence. He creates a new humanity. He brings two communities and he makes them one. Jews and Gentiles, he pulls to God. He reconciles us to himself. He does a work in us. He invites us into relationship with himself, not on our own terms, but because what he's done for us. That's what Jesus does. Jesus tears down the wall so that we can be in relationship with him. God's presence amongst us invites us. A couple of weeks ago, not only are we reconciled to him, but we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're invited to participate in his presence. And we are his temple. Let me read verses 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit of a radical new community. That radical new community is the people that you're sitting next to, sweating all over right now. Why don't you just turn to to the person next to you and say, bless you, you are a brick in the wall. Go on right now. Why? Why are you bricking the wall? There is a song about that, but I don't think it's about the church. See, there's a wall between us and God. But Jesus comes to break down that wall and he rebuilds us into his presence. We are bricks as part of his temple. We get to participate in Christ. You know, buildings, I find, reflect the character of a city, don't they? So when you look at buildings, you go, that reflects. And uh, it took me about a day to try and get my head around New York. There are like thousands and thousands and thousands of skyscrapers everywhere. And I'm walking around going, anyone been to New York? It's just, it hits you in the head. I speak about the, the audaciousness, the boldness, the entrepreneurship of the American culture, the American spirit. New York's buildings are a reflection of the culture of its people. When you go to London, you see something different. In London, you've got a whole bunch of old buildings. You've got uh, all the museums. You've got some poor buildings. So you've got the cheese grater and the shard, which you can't see the shard, and uh, the, the egg building or the gherkin, and plus a whole bunch of other ones. And this is a new one that's just been approved. I don't even know what that's called. The, I don't know, yeah, I actually don't know. The maraca. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's something about the people. There's a his, history to it, but there's a creativity to it. If you go to Barcelona and you see the artwork there and the buildings... You see Gaudi everywhere, just this unique, creative kind of design that fits in with the Spanish culture. It says something about the Catalan. You look at the, I, I don't know what you say. What do we say about the people of Brisbane? We're growing. We're, you know, we're, we're getting there. 
There's a lot more new buildings going up. I, don't, I actually was trying to think. We're pretty relaxed. There's South Bank. You know, there's a beach. When people come to Brisbane, they say, build relaxed people. See, buildings tell, say something about who we are. When Paul says that you are the temple built on the foundation that is Christ, he's describing a people. But it's not the temple of Jerusalem. Now, the structure, it was beautiful. It was incredible. A marvel of the ancient world. But it was built for segregation. The temple was designed for segregation. You know, the court of the Gentiles which surrounded the temple was designed so that all the Gentiles could walk around and have a beautiful view of the temple, knowing that they outside, knowing they could never go into the presence of God, they could never go and worship there. But even by nature, the temple had different layers moving into the presence. And the reality was that no person could go and experience the presence of God except for the high priest once a year. Go from the Holy of Holies into the holy place. It was a segregated and the transcendence and the power of God. But when Paul talks about a new temple, he uses very different fabrics. He paints a very different picture. He says, no longer is the temple made up of a structure. You don't go to a place to encounter the presence of God. You are the who make up the temple where the presence of God exists. Everything changes. When we gather, the church, its people, is the presence of God. It's the presence of God. It radically changes everything. But it's built on the foundation that is not made, but it's built on Jesus, who Paul says is both the foundation, along with the teachings of the prophets and the apostles, and he is the cornerstone. Now, I'm not a builder. I've not really built anything in my life apart from Lego stuff and maybe a little bit of Meccano. But I do understand the cornerstone is the reference point. Every other stone that is laid is laid in reference to that cornerstone. Well, we've got a picture of a cornerstone. No, we don't have it. Yes, we do. You can't really, that's, an, that's from an ancient, ancient um, dig site. And so it would, it would set the trajectory. We are built on Christ who is the cornerstone. We find our frame of reference. We find our identity. We find who we are and where we're going based on Jesus. Not one another. We look to Jesus. Jesus is everything. You know, I love chatting to uh, Alpha Launchpad who, is, is, who came along, disconnected from church. But he said, he said, Andrew, you know, I have a whole bunch of problems with, with the church and with people in the church, but the thing I can't shake is this person, Jesus. Jesus is so good. I've read the Gospels. There is something about Jesus that is so wonderful. Reference point. Jesus is the one that we build our community on. It's where we get our frame of reference. But we need one another as we build off the reference point that is Jesus. We then interlock with one another. We need one another together as we build the building and then keep going. We need one another together to connect and to grow. Our presence, let me, I want you to get this. Our presence is a gift to one another and it's a gift to ourselves. Our presence is a gift to one another and it's a gift. We need to connect. I love what Jim Elliott said. He was the, uh, the missionary who, uh, who died at the age of 30 in Ecuador. He said very briefly, uh, it's really helpful, wherever you are, be all there. 
Wherever you are, be all there. In other words, and this is profound for our culture and for, for you right now, when, you know, whenever you gather together, be present. Give yourself because it is a gift to one another. Remember, isolation is a tool of the enemy. That's why gathering together in this place is really important. When Paul talks about the temple, he speaks about a people of peace, that we're in the presence of God, we experience peace, and when we find ourselves in the presence of others, we experience power. First, we experience peace. You know, we need to understand that in this place, we remind ourselves of who we are and we remind ourselves of the grace that God has given us. We remind ourselves of the grace that we need. We get to pray for one another. I love gathering here on a Sunday and blessing one another and praying for one another, building one another, another up and reminding each other. I'm reminded, I love reminding others, the presence of God to one another. And we receive it in turn. We also get power. You know, isolated and alone, one little brick is nothing. A brick finds its power when it finds itself in a building. When we are connected together, we are made strong. When we gather together, all that God has for us, the purpose that we have in Him. We are filled with His peace when we gather together and experience His presence. We are filled with His power when we gather together in His name. And part of what we do at Gateway is life groups. And uh, after the service, I think we have to be really quick. We're going to encourage you to find your midweek group. You know, for, we've been going for six months, and this has been something that's been building. Some of you already found your life group. Some of you need to find your life group. We've got 11 or 12 life groups that are kicking off, and we'd love for you to find your place so that you can journey with people, that they can love you, they can extend grace, the living presence of Jesus. Because as we gather, as we, as we gather together, as we are the temple of God, as we worship Him, as we experience His presence and His power in our lives, we ultimately proclaim. We proclaim His power. We proclaim His peace. We proclaim His presence. Our presence here in the city will proclaim His presence. a proclamation. We proclaim to one another. You know, Jesus gathers His disciples before He goes in John and He says, love one another. He says, love one another. By this you will know. The people looking on, they will know that you are mine. You know, the great command is to love one another. Love one another. That's the great command. And as we love one another, we're able to then go out and fulfill the great commission, which is go into all the world, making disciples. We declare His power to our city. And our city desperately needs to know it. I'm excited about what God's called us this year to do as we proclaim His presence and His power in our city. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, German theologian, I referenced him last week, the church is the church only when it exists. Tell men and women of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. That is what we're called to do. That is our story. 
to inhabit the presence of God and to bring the presence of God to the city. And one day, see, we're participating in something that will happen long into the future as well. This picture of multitudes gathering together around the throne of Christ, worshiping Him. But they are people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation across the earth, all together, the other, all foreigners, all strangers, all together, gathered in one place, not isolated, but all in the to our community. It's 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 presence. It's connection. It's not isolation. That is the gift that we can give to our city. It's the gift that we can give to one another. The invitation out of isolation through Christ and into intimacy, into the presence of God. Painful, particularly in our society, in our culture, which tells us that it's too difficult. It's too hard. You know, doing life together, coming to church is hard particularly when the air conditioners don't work. You know, coming to ch- going to life groups and making that choice is hard. I've just had a really flicks night. I'm just going to I'm just going to get scroll on Facebook. I you know, I'm I'm too exhausted. You know, it costs something to actually be present. But as we gather, as we choose to be the bricks together, connecting with one another, we experience God's peace in a profound way. We're empowered grace to those who are desperately needing it. What an invitation. What a joy. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.